Hey, before we get into this episode, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. That's going to help the show grow so we can try and impact as many people as possible and hopefully spread value to all those around us. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. What do you think would be the first three things that they need to do in order to kind of put them on a path where long term they're going to have a lot more healthy decisions and a lot make a lot more healthy choices. The first step to being healthier is to stop eating. Welcome to The Quest. I'm your host, Nick Horiades, co-hosted with my best friend, Cole Jameson. We're both lifelong athletes, fitness enthusiasts, and knowledge seekers. Each week, we're going to try and bring you the tools and skills necessary to help you embark on and win this journey of life. Without further ado, let's get after it. Bethany Frankel once said, your diet is a bank account. Good food choices are good investments. Welcome back everyone to another episode of The Quest. If this is your first time joining, welcome to the community. We are so glad to have you and cannot wait to hear what you think of the show. The Quest is where young adults discover the skills needed to achieve their version of success. This week's episode is part two of our conversation with certified nutrition specialist, Kimberly Young. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you're going to want to check it out because in it, Kimberly dives into a simple guide to beginning to eat healthier food, the pros and cons of fad diets and what to know before you start one, the three biggest mistakes people make when starting a diet and how you can avoid it, and so much more. If you find this episode helpful, share it with a friend, talk about some of your favorite parts and share the benefit that you get from it. If you've been enjoying the quest or if this is your first time joining, make sure you subscribe and follow our show to get the latest updates and any episode notifications. You can follow our show on Instagram at the quest podcast to stay up to date with everything we're doing here at the quest. And you can find that link in the podcast description. Throughout this episode, we cover how common eating disorders are and why they're so underdiagnosed. The first three things you need to do in order to build a long-term healthy life, what you didn't know about snacking and why it can cause more problems than good the nutrient most people are missing from their meals, the reason we have to have balance to our meals, why the first meal of the day is the most important one, and so much more. Guys, I can't wait for you to hear this episode, so let's get into it. Probably a year ago, we had talked to a nutrition professor who had taught at the University of Oklahoma, and he kind of went into eating disorders and kind of how they look way different on every single person, right? So someone could have binge eating disorder where they're binging and purging. Someone could have anorexia where they're just really not eating very much and like all the different telltale signs for all of those classic eating disorders show up differently. And what someone's doing at home, if they're making themselves throw up, like you're not going to be able to see that in their day-to-day life. So it's a lot harder for them or for you to notice that something's going on. And one of the things that is really interesting to me about this entire topic and the entire discussion of eating disorders is just the fact that, like you alluded to, how common they are and how underdiagnosed they are. My girlfriend took an eating disorder class in college and there was an alarming statistic that, according to the DSM-5, so the DSM-5 is essentially how psychological disorders are diagnosed. So you have to meet certain criteria in order for you to actually have an eating disorder or some type of mental disorder. And what's really interesting is that according to that strict criteria, 90% of college-aged women would be diagnosed with an eating disorder, which is unbelievable. 
And so giving more information on this topic and like understanding the telltale signs of all these things is really, really important because you could have disordered eating and not necessarily know it because a lot of your friends around you are doing the similar things. So we've kind of hit on this idea of eating disorders and like the negatives and how to identify them and all these different things. And so on the flip side, if someone is trying to start a new healthy diet or start more healthy habits when it comes to nutrition and just overall health in general, what do you think would be the first three things that they need to do in order to kind of put them on a path where long-term they're going to have a lot more healthy decisions and a lot, make a lot more healthy choices? Part of it is that sometimes it takes a little time to, for a client to tell me about a past behavior that they sort of have come to grips with in terms of it not being a very healthy behavior, whether it was diagnosed or not means sort of is a secondary thing. Every, with every client, uh, the first step to being healthier is to stop eating highly processed food. I can't, I can't express that enough. That means things that there are more than five ingredients. The other thing that I tell clients is to not fuel up for bed. Your body does not need extra calories for sleeping. Uh, and a lot of times you'll hear people and they, whether they're doing some version of intermittent fasting or what have you, I always suggest that think about this body as a physiological engine, not the scale, but a physical physiological engine. You need fuel for when you're up and going and busy. You do not need extra calories for sleeping. Improving your sleep quality uh, and making sure that uh, you're getting some good REM sleep is also a really smart first step. Staying away from processed food, figuring out a way to improve your sleep quality, and simple things like skipping a soda and a juice and your caramel macchiato and having just two cups of regular coffee and a lot of plain fresh water. Like when you go to the bathroom, your pee should be almost clear. So little integrations like that make the body feel better. And that's the cinch. If you can get someone eating the right stuff and feeling better, they have more body confidence. It's a positive feedback loop that then they're going to start making good choices. And that's, those are three just basic things. And you know, it, it does happen where I'll have a client come to me and you know they won't eat any green vegetables like i don't eat any green vegetables and i don't know if you all are fall in that category or know somebody who does but you know the first session for me is always a time for us to feel each other out my job is to create a safe space for them by working with me in my practice and it takes time to create a safe space i'm not a specialist in eating disorder i know how to read the signs and i have referral partners but i encourage them you know, we feel each other out. This is the nature of my work. If someone turns around and goes, you know what, Kimberly, I really want to work with you, but I don't eat any green vegetables. They're not going to be, or, or I won't eat any green vegetables. People have tactile issues. There are some things with some vegetables, but if you're straight up, I, I won't eat a, a green vegetable. Like we can't come to terms on any of them. Probably not going to be really successful in my program. You, you have to kind of feel a client out and they've got to be willing to change like we can't keep doing things the same way and expect a different outcome and so i always just some very foundational stuff and it comes with my clean pantry suggestion list it's the stuff that there's more than five ingredients it's drinking a lot of plain fresh water and improving your sleep quality 
That's great advice. And those simple things are really not that hard to do. And they will have a huge impact on how you feel. And like you said, people don't know how bad they feel if they've been living a certain way for this long until they make these changes and realize that they've been feeling bad the whole time. And I wanted to switch gears and ask and get your opinion on something real quick because I read an article on your website about snacking. And one, I know a lot of people that love snacks and they just eat little snacks here and there. But I also have a, I don't know, I guess like a theory or some sort of thought process behind the newer generations coming up. And they have all this technology at their you know fingertips and their attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. And I've seen a lot of people almost snacking just because they're bored. Like they've got nothing else to do. And so they just, they just eat snacks. Why not? Food is fun. So what, what do you think are some of the the negative impacts of snacking and what are some ways that we can kind of get that in check? It's a good question. That's so funny. When I first started practicing, I had a clinical practice for several years to get my credentials and it was a a medical, a community clinic, so primarily chronic disease. The number one question when we talk about the breakdown of meals, the number one question was, well, what can I snack on? Um, and, and marketing people pick it up and it, that back to the, here's your 100 calorie, gluten-free, sugar-free, chocolate nirvana snack. And it's, you know, only got 100 calories or 120 calories. And look, it comes in this cute little bag. It's a snack culture. People don't understand that you can train yourself to have a circadian rhythm to eat five or six times a day. Nervousness and anxiety or whatever you want to call it, there are some people who just kind of nosh it all day long. They never give their digestion a break. And so I lead every client in a conversation that says, well, just kind of walk me through your day. And they'll say, oh, I get up at 7 and I eat at 7.15. I'm like, well, are you hungry at that time? And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, I think, I think I am. I think I'm hungry. And I'm like, well, it's not a challenge question. I encourage them to keep a seven-day food journal. And in the journal, I don't want you to be worried about what you're eating. I want you to tell me, notice for yourself, are you hungry at this time? And it's so often where someone will say, you know what? I really wasn't hungry, but I had my snack because my trainer or because somebody in my office said, you know, this was a good, and it seemed like a healthy snack. It was just cereal, celery and almond butter or whatever the story might be. But then we look at their food journal, they kind of ate it all day. I'm like, were you hungry at this time? And they'll say, gosh, not really. Metabolism is all about pooping and sleeping. And it's all about getting this physiological engine to trigger for hunger and satisfaction. If you dysregulate that process, those two hormones, you can bet that metabolically you're sort of stunting your metabolism. I think the number one thing that we have to be mindful about is getting nutrient density at meals and finding an alternative thing to do in between that isn't a nosh. It is difficult. People, you know, eat the snacks for a lot of different reasons, but unwinding that is really depends on if it's a behavioral issue, like I've trained a circadian rhythm, or if, hey, I underfueled in the morning, and so it sets me up to have that little nosh all day long. There can be a lot of physiological things going on that promote 
that I just need a little bite of this. I'm just going to have a little couple bites of that. It depends on why the snack is happening and fleshing that out with every client and every person for themselves. Yeah, there's different tools that I employ legitimately having a long eating window like I, I'm at my office at 7 and I don't leave till 8 or 9 at night attorneys uh, accountants during tax season or doctors you know they have a long eating window eating more than three meals a day in that scenario makes sense I just want your body to generate the hunger hormone for it not just noshing along and when people get in touch with that it's a very interesting dynamic for them no one ever says gosh am I hungry no one ever asks themselves that that's and that's the first question that I ask and you bring up a really good point there because this idea of dysregulating all your body's functions I mean like if you think about how complicated and how smart our bodies really are it's like they know exactly what we need so just listen to it right you don't really ha you can take the guesswork out of whether you're hungry or not by just kind of thinking about it am I actually hungry or am I just bored eating. And I think you bring up this really good point of making sure that those hormone responses and those internal functions are really in alignment. And one of the things you had hit on when discussing all this was if you are snacking or you're trying to kind of dial back on the snacking, making sure those meals that you are having are nutrient dense. I'm curious, are there certain nutrients that your typical average American are lacking in those meals that may promote this snacking behavior? Oh yes, that's a very good question. A lot of our population is completely carb averse. I can't eat a carb, I'm not gonna eat a carb, just can't eat a carb. So they end up having a lot of meat or meat and fat at a meal. Generally, what promotes snacking is improper balance at meals, meaning you don't have adequate protein, fat, and carbs at a meal, and or you underfueled, where again, you didn't have any carbs, or let's say I had only protein and fat, or I had only carbs. Blood sugar fluctuation will also prompt fluctuations that cause you to, to crave to more food. The number one thing that, that I always tell them is to look at the plate. What's your lean protein? You need some kind of good fat. Protein and fat equals satisfaction together. But half the plate needs to be something green, and non-starchy if possible. The engine, your body, is designed to absorb nutrients in concert. You don't want to starve your body, particularly in the morning when you're getting ready for the entire day. The first meal of the day sets the digestive and the metabolic tone, so what's in that meal is important. If you underfuel at that time, it typically results in an energy crash, not necessarily a couple hours later, but it can happen later in the afternoon, like 3 or 3.30, where let's say I get up, I have my coffee, and it's got my creamer in it, and that kind of pushes down my appetite in the morning, and then I sort of go in to start the day underfueled. That sets you up for the energy crash that happens later in the day, and in that energy crash, people reach for caffeine and or more snacks. They are basically push the food window to later in the day, so we're kind of fueling up for bed which is what I digestively nor metabolically I want to do for any client. And Kimberly, I know we're coming up on time here and Cole and I both have so many questions that we haven't got to. So we'll definitely have to have you back on because this has been so informative and I feel like there's a lot of practical applications and practical advice that you've given throughout this entire episode. So I'm very, very curious to pick your brain on a few more different topics when it comes to nutrition and all this stuff. So we'll definitely have to set something up in the future. So at the end of every interview, 
we ask our guests two final questions. So this first one is called the three pillars. So this is going to be very different from all the questions that we've asked you so far. This is very personalized to yourself. So here at The Quest, we're constantly looking for ways to improve ourselves, strive to be the best we can be, and build a foundation for success. So imagine you're going to try and build a house, and it's only supported by three pillars. Now these pillars are never going to break, completely indestructible, and they're going to lay the foundation for your family's lives ahead. So what three pillars or lessons would you give your family to build the rest of their lives on? Well, I would say honesty, intention. Living with intention is something that a lot of us don't always stay focused on, intentionally doing things. And it catches up with you and you don't always think, what's my intention today? But if you start clarifying that, it really does, in my opinion, help. You gotta, you gotta set the intention for yourself. And I guess, Either passion or, com or, or compassion, those two would be, I think that's a big part of everything that drives certainly me and my work. But yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I think those are my three. Absolutely. That's awesome. Before we get into our final question, where can our listeners find you and where can they reach out to you to uh, get any help with nutrition or, or if they need any of your expertise? Well, thank you for asking. Um, my website is really the, the best representation of me. I, I unfortunately am a weak in the social media area, don't mind to say. It's just never been my focus, nor has it ever really gleaned me a lot of client work. But it's uh, www.kyoungnutrition.com. They can schedule there. They can see some of my work there. Uh, I'm a highly what I would call technical writer. So I'm glad that you guys took time to review some of the articles. I've never been a really sexy blog type writer, but they can schedule there. And if they have any questions, there are, there's a contact form. You can see some of my reviews there also. So it's a good, I've tried to make it as robust as possible so that there's no gray area. My clients kind of know what they're getting with me. There's there, it, it's uh, not big, sexy work. But uh, I want them to understand who they're, who they're working with. And it, that site doesn't have a lot of great marketing stuff. It's just pretty basic. But I, most of my clients have been very receptive to it. That's awesome. So we'll have that stuff linked in the podcast description if you guys want to check out her website and all the different articles because they're super informative. And I would highly suggest you just scroll through them and see if you're interested in any of the topics. So Kimberly, I want to acknowledge you before we go into this final question of just being so willing to put forth very, very valuable information and not just valuable information, but also practical because what I've found in my experience with just learning about nutrition is a lot of times it can either be really, really technical to the point where it doesn't really have any practical application to your day-to-day -day life, or at least it's hard to understand what that application is, or it can be so vague where it's just like, oh, have a diverse set of these food groups. And you're like, but like, why or why would I do this or I don't like this what what can I substitute with that and you I think strike that balance between having that technical expertise which is evident in your blogs and your articles and all these different things and then also being able to kind of tailor make that into practical suggestions for clients as well as just anyone who's willing to listen or just read your articles so I want to acknowledge you for putting forth really valuable information that people can actually act on towards nutrition because I think that's a very underserved niche in the nutrition industry. 
very nice of you to say. I don't have any secrets. You know, I'm fortunate to share space with my clients who tell me a lot of things. I feel very privileged to be in their shared space. So I'm happy to high level stuff like this is a pleasure. And if it encourages someone to make better choices and they pass it on to others and maybe they say something good about my work or maybe they don't, at least I have tried to, to give them, everyone, something to just start with. It's intimidating to really share some things with, with someone like me. Uh, and so if they feel safe at least to start making some basic changes, I'm, that's a win for me, absolutely. Awesome. So, Kimberly, our final question is, what is your personal definition of success? Wow. You guys ask uh, some deep questions. Uh, my personal definition of success is bringing 100% of my experience and my knowledge to my work. My greatest achievement is this practice and uh, it is my life's work. I don't have children so this has kind of become my life's work and, and if people continue to say good things about my work and I continue to get the referrals that is, I get to do the things that I love. This is really the only thing I was ever really, really good at. So the fact that I get to do it and that other people have had really great outcomes and some of the people that offer me referrals, yes, that's success for me. Definitely. Well, Kimberly, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for asking. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, and um, I hope I did not disappoint. Any kind of additional questions you have, I'm absolutely open. I absolutely enjoyed uh, a different thing on a Friday, so thank you for having me. There it is, guys. Living a healthy and well-balanced life isn't rocket science. If you can implement simple rules, have consistency in how you utilize them, and enjoy what you're eating, creating a long-term healthy diet becomes incredibly easy. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out the podcast description for other similar episodes from The Quest. If you made it this far into the episode, I want to thank you on behalf of everyone here at The Quest. Your support means the world to us, and we strive every day to bring in the most value in these episodes possible. If you like this episode, if you've been enjoying The Quest, let us know by leaving a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll leave you with this quote from Gandhi. It is health that is the real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. And if someone hasn't told you this already today, you matter, you are loved, and you have so much potential. Now take action towards those dreams and get after it. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. If you found our message helpful or inspiring, make sure you tune in next week to continue on the quest with us. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment letting us know how you heard about us. And remember to get after it.